0: Welcome to EASO Podcasts. It's a real pleasure to have Dr. Ilaria Colombo here with us today to discuss PARP inhibitors for the treatment of ovarian cancer. Please take a minute to introduce yourself.
1: Hi, my name is Ilaria Colombo, and I'm a medical oncologist at the Oncology Institute of Southern Switzerland. In my area of expertise: gynecological cancer and drug development.
0: Thank you, Ilaria, for joining us for this EESO podcast. Our first question is: Which is the mechanism of action of PARP inhibitors, and why is this relevant in ovarian cancer?
1: The poly-ADP-ribose polymerase is a family of enzymes actively involved in the repair of DNA, particularly the single-strand DNA breaks. There are different DNA repair mechanisms, and one of them is the homologous recombination, that is responsible for the repair of double DNA strand breaks. Ovarian cancer cells are commonly characterized by dysfunction in the homologous recombination, a condition that is called homologous recombination deficiency, or HRD. HRD might be due to defecting genes involving this pathway, such as BRCA1 and 2, or others like RAD51, PALB2, BRIP, or also due to epigenetic alteration. When homologous recombination does not work properly, Double-strand DNA breaks accumulate, and cells rely on other pathways involved in the single-strand DNA break to repair the DNA and so to maintain genomic stability. Thus, using a PARP inhibitor in the context of HRD creates a condition called synthetic lethality, where both the DNA repair pathways cannot work, and this led to cell death. About 50% of high-grade ovarian cancer has HRD, and among these, about 20% is due to somatic or germline mutation in BRCA. It has been now well established that the presence of BRCA mutation or other genomic aberration leading to HRD is a predictive biomarker of response to PARP inhibitors. Tumors that do not have HRD the so-called homologous recombination-proficient tumors, or HRP, are less sensitive to PARP inhibitors. However, benefit from PARP inhibitor was also observed in this population, and we still lack a sensitive biomarker to identify patients that will not benefit from this treatment. PARP inhibitor represent a paradigm shift in the treatment of patients with high-grade epithelial ovarian cancer and are now incorporated in the standard management of this disease. Many aspects still need to be defined, including how better select the patients, how increase the efficacy of PARP inhibitors in the homologous recombination proficient population, and how can we overcome primary and acquired resistance.
0: And how can we measure the homologous recombination deficiency?
1: While the identification of mutation in BRCA or other homologous recombination repair genes is straightforward and is performed through genome sequencing of single genes or within a small or large next-generation sequencing panel, the identification and the measure of the level of homologous recombination deficiency is more complex. It looks at the consequences of having an homologous recombination pathway that does not work properly, instead of looking at the cause, such as gene mutations. An HRD test measures the genomic scars that accumulate as a consequence of the inability of DNA to be repaired. As of today, we have two approved and commercially available HRD tests, the Myriad MyChoice assay and the Foundation Focus CDX-BRCA Foundation Medicine assay. The Myriad test combines the tumor BRCA mutation test with a genomic instability score deriving from the sum of loss of heterozygosity, telomerical-lelic imbalance, and larger-scale transition. The Foundation Medicine assay uses a next-generation sequencing to define the tumor BRCA mutation and the percentage of subchromosomal loss of heterozygosity. Several limitations prevent a broad application of these tests in clinical practice. This includes the high cost, the limited availability and reproducibility of these analyses. Moreover, both assays endorse an arbitrary cutoff to define a positive genomic instability score or a loss of heterozygosity score, and different thresholds have been applied in the different trials. And it is important to remember this when we look at the results of the different trials that have investigated PARP inhibitors. Now, the scientific community is trying to work to develop an HRD assay that is easy to be performed in clinical practice, that is cheaper, broadly available, and reproducible. And thus, it is important to have an HRD test that we can perform in our daily clinical practice to support us in identifying the patient that can benefit more from a treatment with PARP inhibitor.
0: And can you tell us a little bit about what the current evidence is for the use of maintenance PARP inhibitors in recurrent
1: epithelial ovarian cancer? In the platinum-sensitive recurrent setting, three different PARP inhibitors have shown to prolong progression-free survival compared to placebo in patients who achieve at least a partial response to the last line of platinum-based chemotherapy. And this benefit was observed not only in tumors with BRCA mutation, but also in BRCA wild-type tumors. The SOLO2 trial is a randomized phase three trial that investigated Olaparib tablets compared to placebo as maintenance treatment following response to platinum-based chemotherapy in patients with BRCA-mutated platinum-sensitive recurrent epithelial ovarian carcinoma. Olaparib produced a statistically significant improvement in progression-free survival from 5.5 months with placebo to 19.1 months with Olaparib. The final overall analysis showed an increase of 12.9 months in patients receiving Olaparib despite 38% of patients in the placebo harm received a subsequent treatment with a PARP inhibitor. The NOVA trial is a randomized phase 3 trial that investigated the efficacy of niraparib as maintenance treatment for recurrent disease, and patients were enrolled according to two different groups, the germline BRCA mutated and the non-germ BRCA mutated. Niraparib improved the progression-free survival in all the predefined groups of patients. However, a different magnitude of benefit was observed in the different subgroups. In the germline BRCA group, there was a gain of 15.5 months in progression-free survival. And this is similar to what was observed in the SOLO2 trial. In patients with BRCA wild type, the progression-free survival improvement was of 5.5 months. This study looked also at the efficacy in the homologous recombination deficient positive population and this was evaluated according to the Myriad My Choice test. In the group of patients with homologous recombination deficiency not due to germline BRCA mutation, the progression-free survival improved by 9.1 months. And according to these results, niraparib has been approved by FDA and EMA as maintenance treatment for the recurrent disease of ovarian cancer in all Camar's patients. The last phase 3 randomized trial is the Arial-3 that investigated Rucaparib another PARP inhibitor, versus placebo in the same setting of patients, and also this study showed similar results. In the RL3 study, the presence of homologous recombination deficiency was assessed according to the level of loss of heterozygosity, and this was defined as high loss of heterozygosity or low loss of heterozygosity. In the intention to treat population, the progression-free survival was 10.8 months with Rucaparib versus 5.4 months with placebo. And again, there was a different magnitude of benefit in the different groups. In the pre-planned subgroup analysis, the highest benefit was seen in patients with BRCA mutation, followed by patients with BRCA wild-type but high level of loss of heterozygosity. And then the group that achieved the uh, less benefit were patients with BRCA wild-type and the loss of heterozygosity low.
0: And what about the results of Phase three trials that have investigated PARP inhibitors in the
1: frontline treatment of epithelial ovarian cancer? So in a first-line setting, we have available the results of four different trials that have investigated PARP inhibitor. The solo one trial were BRCA, mutated patients with stage 3 and 4 epithelial ovarian cancer and in clinical complete or partial response at the end of first-line platinum-based chemotherapy were enrolled randomized to receive maintenance olaparib or placebo for up to 2 years or until disease progression. The median progression-free survival is 56 months with olaparib compared to 13.8 months with placebo. Importantly, this relevant benefit was sustained beyond the end of treatment, and particularly at five years, 48% of the patients are still free from disease recurrence. The second trial is the PRIMA trial that assessed the efficacy of niraparib in patients with high-risk, high-grade ovarian cancer, regardless the presence of BRCA mutation. So, high-risk is defined as a stage, as patient with stage 3 with residual disease after surgery, Non operable stage 3 disease, stage 4, or patient who received neoadjuvant chemotherapy. In the intention to treat population, the progression free survival increased by 5.6 months. The analysis was performed according to the preplensa group, defined according to the presence of homologous recombination deficiency as per myriad my choice assay. As expected, the benefit was higher in patients with HRD positive tumor either with BRCA mutation or BRCA wild type. However, in the homologous recombination of proficient group of patients, the progression-free survival improved by only 2.7 months. The third trial is the PAOLA-1 study that enrolled patients with stage 3 and 4 high-grade ovarian cancer that received in first-line treatment bevacizumab combined to the standard backbone chemotherapy of carboplatin and paclitaxel. At the end of chemotherapy, patients with complete or partial response were randomized to receive maintenance olaparib in addition to bevacizumab or placebo. Again, the progression-free survival improvement in the intention-to-treat population was about 5 and 9 months, with higher benefit in patients with HRT score positive as per myriad my choice test. In the homologous recombination proficient group, the addition of Olaparib to Bevacizumab did not add any benefit. The question that still remain open is if the use of Bevacizumab is needed in patients with BRCA-mutated ovarian cancer or if single agent Olaparib might provide the same benefit as the combination. The last trial in first line is VELIA. This study is different compared to the others, given that the PARP inhibitor Veliparib was administered concomitant with the chemotherapy. In this study, there were three arms, chemotherapy alone, chemotherapy with concomitant veliparib only, and chemotherapy with concomitant veliparib and veliparib continued as maintenance treatment. This study showed that the best benefit from PARP inhibitor is when these agents are used as maintenance strategy, Again, in this study, the benefit that was observed was consistent in the different biomarker subgroup and was similar to what was already observed in the prior trials. However, it's important to remember that the combination of PARP inhibitors with chemotherapy resulted in more toxicity, particularly for the hematological toxicity.
0: That's very interesting. And our last question is, what are the main toxicities of PARP inhibitors?
1: The main toxicity of PARP inhibitor is the hematological toxicity with anemia, thrombocytopenia, and less frequently neutropenia. These are very common among the different PARP inhibitors and can be managed with dose interruption or dose reduction, and they tend to occur early after treatment initiation. There are also some differences among the different PARP inhibitors. For example, with Olaparib, there is a higher incidence of anemia. With the Niraparib, there is a higher incidence of thrombocytopenia compared to other PARP inhibitors. For niraparib, it is also important to remember that the starting dose is different according to patient's weight and baseline platelets value. If the body weight is more than 77 kilos and the platelets baseline level is more than 150, niraparib should be given at 300 mg once a day. If the body weight is less than 77 and or the platelets less than 150, the dose should be 200 mg once a day. Gastrointestinal adverse events are also common for all PARP inhibitors, with the nausea being the most prevalent, and patients need to be counseled on how better manage the nausea to increase their compliance to the treatment and avoid early interruption of the PARP inhibitor. Other gastrointestinal symptoms reported by patients are constipation and vomiting and diarrhea. Another common adverse event that occurs with PARP inhibitors is the increase in creatinine concentration. PARP inhibitors inhibit the renal transporter protein that has a role in the secretion of the creatinine. And so it's important to remember that the common observed increase of creatinine does not really reflect the true decline in glomerular filtration rate. Fatigue is also a common side effects of PARP inhibitors, and also this seems to be a class effect, very common among the different PARP inhibitors. There are also respiratory symptoms that might occur. We can observe cough or dyspnea, and despite being very rare, cases also of pneumonitis have been reported. A rare but severe adverse event is the increased risk of myelodysplastic syndrome or acute myeloid leukemia that can be estimated to be around 1% to 5%, and it is important to fo- inform our patients about uh, this risk. Nowadays, more data are emerging on the possible role of clonal hematopoiesis in the risk of developing myelodysplastic syndrome or leukemia. And we also might see more data in the future on potential biomarkers able to identify patients at risk of such severe complication, And this will be very important for our clinical practice to be able to identify this patient.
0: Thanks so much, Ilaria. We look forward to having you here for your session on cervical carcinoma in December. remember to follow us on social media for information regarding our upcoming podcasts. Thank you. Thanks for listening and see you soon on the EASO website.